So questions have been handed in. Mm. And, uh, so I don't always, I don't respond to all the questions. Um, I try to look at what I feel is perhaps most pertinent for what we're doing here and also things that are of more perhaps general interest. Although, you know, you may not be personally interested, but maybe a few people are. So how would you characterize freedom from Sakaya Ditti? I'm quite a little bit cautious about Of um, you know questions that particularly you know try to interpret the Buddhist expressions, but these are the fetters. So if you're aware of that that particular um, structure, the Buddha presented these ten fetters, which are the like knots um, that are that are released. Um, in awakening, so the awakening has several st- stages to it. And the first stage is all three go at the same time, so it's not one, two, three, but they're all. So th- the first three fetters are really kind of aspects of the same experience. Skyditi um, view of being Sakaya in this body more generally translated as personality view. So this is the isolated individual. And belief in that as both the reality and also a foundation to, you know, that it's going to, is a good foundation. Mm. And as we practice, we begin probably to recognize that the personality is something we have to practice to to sort of dislodge or to to release rather than establish a foundation. It doesn't mean there's no sense of self. It means we begin to perhaps recognize that the personality is a, is a kind of like a structure or a, or a series of mental actions and perceptions that have been established through karma, through past karma, um, and particularly through social domestic experience. Now, so our personality forms as, as, a, as a, resp- at a response to the world around us, and specifically in this sense to the social domestic world, not say to the world of heat and cold, or pleasure or pain, or even to the subtler realms of experience. So it's very much um, the socio-domestic person. And so this is also associated with uh, systems and customs because that's exactly what the person that gets indoctrinated into. Systems and customs, do this, do that. You know, get a job, get a mortgage, get 2.5 kids, have a dog, be happy, that's it. (laughs) You know, this sort of thing. Or that's being a bit humorous, of course, but nationalism, um, religious dogmatism, 
you know, the, these are other aspects of those systems of customs. Also, what it leads to is a certain automatic quality where, oh, you know, we, we operate according to certain automatic socially generated norms. And we do that in an automatic way. Mm. We're often boundary by shame and fear. I do that, I'll be seen as wrong or inappropriate or we feel disoriented without systems and customs. You know, that's it. Now, neither of these mean that you don't have any any personality or that you can't that, that doesn't happen. Personality is a natural form that the chitta develops like a skin, you could say, to to interact in the world. But but you don't believe that that's your final statement. That's just the clothes you wear, you might say. And I get that clear because I've never really met anyone um, in terms of particularly even people with a lot of deep practice and you know who are said to be or you know understood to be or seem to demonstrate quite realised qualities, and they still have a personality. But often it can be so they can kind of turn it off as well. It's not a fake thing, it's just that when there's the time for interaction, the personality is the appropriate way to interact. But the personality is, is often quite light, uh, flexible, um, you know, it, it, it's appropriate. We're not trying to boost it or, you know, or, or emphasise it. And they certainly they can use systems and customs as is appropriate and suitable, because they do. If they handle properly, they can they can be a ground for harmony. Let's all do it this way. Fine, you know. Um, then we know where we are. That's then we can not have to concern ourselves too much about these behavioural things. But then one also. Right, you know, is aware of the the rationale behind systems and customs for sake of harmony, or out of mutual respect, or imbued with conscience and concern. You can use a meditation system without getting this is it, the only way. I've got to be good at this, but oh, this is actually providing a ground for calming or steadying, or you know, it's it's making me realise where the hindrances are. This is good. And you can use a range of those, but you you say, you really see the value of systems, customs, and you can use them rather than being, you know, disoriented without them or or dogmatic about them. And this means because the jitta has realised something beyond that level of experience, which is the, the personal behaviour experience. It's realised something deeper than that. So therefore it doesn't have doubt or lack of confidence. Uh, it's confident. This is not something to really concern myself about too much because there's something more important here than my personality and what people think of me and whether I look good or da-da-da-da-da, you know. Which could be a source of great anxiety for people. So you might also say this sense of right and wrong is much softer so right and wrong often applies to dogmatic apprehension of, of experience. This is right, that's wrong. You might say, well, it doesn't seem to be really fitting right now. Inappropriate. Um, you know, but 
Yeah, and, but the, the uh, person with, with these fetters are deeply embedded will um, have a lot of personality issues, uh, uh, often complaining about themselves, inner tyrant experience, critical mind, complaining about themselves, going on and on and on, worrying about themselves, and also doing it to other people. You know, she's this, he's that, and just, just uh, kind of, uh, you know, always focusing on just the personalities of other people as, as, a, as a big issue. So it means we can get on with a range of a, whole, a range of people because we're not really making that the main thing. So this makes life a lot broader and more expansive. Then to recognize with this list of the fetters, that that really is the stream entra. So they still have things like sense desire, ill will, <laughs> resistances, uh, you know, uh, still got stuff. So that, that's, I think that's really helpful. Because you know, you're aiming for total purity on day one, or you've got to let go of all your attachments. That's a big ask. You know, the thing is just to, to those don't doesn't those don't shift. So the next two fetters are called resistance or irritability, which is certain yeah quality <laughs> don't want. Yeah. And the other is karma raga or senses I oh yeah. You know, you bury yourself or you find yourself dipping in diving into the peanut butter jar or something. Or getting liking particular kinds of food or drink or senses are one's mind is heated by these these qualities of karmaragra and one's mind also tends to have an irritate irritable I mean not permanently irritable but certainly you can sense that irritability in things resistances likes and dislikes are still there and um, so you know even even the non-return the once return has still got that to a degree and that, that fades, wanes as the foothold on what we'll call the deathless becomes more assured so one is experiencing a sense of comfort in it so the first um, realizations or aspects of, of realization are really not so much about feeling that great but the first thing is established actually is a sense of security or stability which which is what the, what confidence means you know or lack of doubt it means you, you touch something you know this is you don't necessarily always feel great and comfortable and wonderful and but you know no this is it and that means then because of that then the path is established you know even though things are still somewhat com- uncomfortable preferences irritability but still you know that, and you, yeah, but I have confidence that this is what, you know, there is this, there's this refuge place. So, you know, the stream entry definitely has a refuge, a foot, a foothold on it. I mean, putting it that way, that's why it's called entering the stream. They're not, you know, really, they're just getting their feet in it, they're not totally buoyed up by it. So it's just there is a stream. Um, does it mean one necessarily? Uh, is completely immersed in it. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so the sense so isn't always that they're necessarily happy or completely comfortable. In fact, they've still got the irritability and the senses are still there, in a, to a degree. Yeah, you kind of, you know, that doesn't get in the way of what you're doing. Yeah. So other fetters are the um, um, attachment to meditation qualities. So really attachment to um, fine uh, mind states and then even even subtler mind states, absorptions in calm and ease and spaciousness. Uh, there's, another, another, there's another two fetters. And those are, the stream interest still hasn't really broken those or released those. Mm-hmm. Then there's a conceit, conceiving oneself to be something, mm. either better, or worse, the same as you know, being out of some oneself. Then one has a concept, or a perceptual self, you might say. Yeah. So you know, something we refer to. Oh, this we can, we have mana, so conceiving self-conceiving as anything really enlightened, half enlightened, somewhat enlightened you know that's why the the sort of really realised people just don't say about being enlightened generally it's, it's uh, because it doesn't really make sense <laughs> you know it's just you say suffering has stopped because the idea of being somebody, being an enlightened being, it doesn't add, doesn't make sense. Um, restlessness, which is the mind, is uh, still got some uh, association with the conditioned realm. So the conditioned realm is always shifting and moving. Association with that. So the mind is being stirred. And the last is... Um, um, ignorance, or you know, lack of full full comprehension. So you know, so the, these then are not uh, released yet. Mm. So you know, if that's of any use. So really, within the stream entry thing is supposed to be the the perhaps the major breakthrough. And the Buddha likened it. Said if you have a, he looked at, he said pointed to a mountain and he pointed the dirt under his fingernails. He said, what do you think is greater, the amount of earth in that mountain or the amount of earth under my fingernail? Of course, because surely, Lord. <laughs> and he said, well, that amount of Earth, that's what you shift to stream entry, and what I have under my fingernails is the rest of it. <laughs> so it's considered a major uh, um, breakthrough because then, uh, you know, it's said that one is not going back. It's going to continue, it's going to deepen. And then the sense is to really re- keep referring to that, keep establishing it, keep acknowledging what drags one out of it. Um, 
and uh, increasing the sense of of enjoyment of it, comfortable, so that the working on the the subsidiary fetters, and you can notice, you know, maybe what bothers you. you know? So if you're still, you know, worked up about him and her and myself and this, that, and the other, there's some psychiatry still there. <laughs> but if you're still feeling kind of momentarily, you get these irritable things and irritable mind states or tendency to be critical that yeah, then you know that and then you probably your aim is to is to you know to work on that stream mentor is not even though it is a major breakthrough stream mentor isn't always clear about that so there are many instances in the suttas where you know, someone had to be told, look, you know, you, you've, you've got this realization because they clearly didn't acknowledge it because it's not, it's not um, that, that solid. It's solid in a way it's not going to turn back, but you can't really feel fully enriched by it. So on many occasions, the, well, there are reported occasions when you know somebody on their deathbed and saying, "Oh, you know, what's going to happen?" Say, "Look, you've realised stream entry." Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> so things are going to get better. Stream entry. So stream entries can still misbehave, but because they're not uh, attached to their personality, they've they're not okay. I lost it. Rather, no. You know, they're not defensive because they're not trying to present themselves as an ideal person anymore, which is great help. I have been experiencing the self hatred and not good enough patterns. They were very strong today. Initially, I resisted them. And two strong images or memories of childhood hatred experience arose. I have been trying to let go of those two experiences and memories since 2004. And they are still there. With anger for the caregiver. I want to release them and have metta for the caregiver. I have had metta towards the memories. And so this evening the patterns have softened. Any guidance is gratefully received. Yeah, well, so having these um, experiences for the last uh, 14 years, 13, 14 years of uh, memories and childhood, memories and uh, uh, of hatred for a, a caregiver who presumably wasn't giving that much care. <laughs> oh, yeah. So these can be parents, you know, or school teachers or something. Someone one put one was vulnerable to, um, and were not uh, able to um, respond appropriately to, you know, as they, they should have done. And these, these can be very um, damaging. Mm. Mm. Because they they become, you know, um, established in the in the development of one's personality. If the child, and children are not really that that strongly formed. They've got a lot of juice, a lot of energy. They don't have much hard skin. 
So they're very easily molded and shaped by uh, other people, and particularly the the caregivers. So if a caregiver is abusive or domineering or uh, you know maybe not the, uh, necessarily or even you know uh, abandons them, let alone physically abuses them, but just doesn't care for them, very abandons them, then the that has an effect on the child's personality development. Person ends up unsteady, nervous, uh, defensive, or prone to addictions, yeah. or you know, feeling mistrustful of the world in general, or mistrustful of other people, not able to really relax and release and let go, and so on. So, so these these patterns can come up, and when begins to yeah. unfortunately this is not that uncommon yeah. you know yeah, people not everybody's really capable of being a parent it's it's uh, not it's not just uh, like buying a dog for Christmas, you know, <laughs> or having a kid. It's it's a major occupation, and uh, you know you don't have to be flawless in it. But the, the basic quality of you know of, I mean you are committed then to uh, being whether you like it or not. You are you are the caregiver. If you're not capable of being a caregiver, then you shouldn't be a parent, really. And it means you've got to be incredibly patient and also really a, a solid refuge. You know, someone is there or available, you know, more or less at a moment's notice, particularly for the very small one. So without this proper thing, then people can go very strange, even autistic, if it's, if it's they're completely abandoned. Um, anyway, so now how do you practice with that when one does have painful memories and uh, you know at least at least this, the, it's better than being uh, uh, you know at least you, you've got something you can find focus on the when it's really bad it's always I'm wrong you know, it's a constant feeling when it's really bad. It's not that you even you haven't got any really dislike. You just feel automatically wrong. The, the the painfulness just interjects into the core. So, you know, I, I never feel secure in myself. There's always something wrong with me. You know, and uh, I've got to do deals and do favors for everybody else because there's something wrong with me. I don't deserve anything, something wrong with me. This is where the it interjects. So if it actually starts to, you know, this person did me wrong, well, that's actually slightly healthier. Because, <laughs> you know, you're not constantly undercutting yourself. Uh, and the, the quality of anger is essentially like a, a defense system to, and way which are, System, human system, or any biological animal sentient being will will kind of power up to defend itself. 
this energy rises up. By itself, it's not, you know, it's not, but as an energy, it's not bad, it's uncomfortable, and it can cause aggression and hatred, but it is like, you know, it can be transmuted into something like strength, you know, not going to mess with that anymore. I'm not accepting that behavior. Doesn't mean I hate you, I just know that, that, so there's that strength. So, you know, feeling angry towards other people, you have to look at what, what's happening here. What is she doing? What is she reminding me of? What's, what, how is she invading my space or threatening or is that really true? You know? And then, you know, so when we have, so memories are always uh, perceptions that, that arise that trigger off these, these unresolved uh, conundrums of feeling violated or abused or despised or abandoned. And they just trigger that thing again, again and again. And as you begin to recognize it, you think, well, it's because of that you feel irritated or angry towards that person. Now, just it would be nice to just be able to forgive, maybe, but it doesn't. I don't think it authentically really happens like that. And as the as the questioner mentions, they've been trying to have meta for this um, person who they felt has not been you know, angry about. They try to have meta for them for years, and it hasn't worked. And there's, here they're saying they're having meta for the very quality of the emotion itself, and it has brought around some relief. So that gives you an indication. You start with acceptance of the quality of, of irritation, ill will. And general process in this regard, which one can, as a, as a process that you can use in many situations, you have got to go from the thinking mind, which would always do things in terms of yesterday and five years ago and him and that. In other words, it's a reality there, out there. And it, it spins and it creates a lot of stories with it. It's the essence of it. Yeah. This is hurt, often. It comes down to that. Or this feels abusive. Or I feel lessened or deprived or abandoned or orphaned or left alone, you know, something. There's a feeling of, you know, that's it, that's it. And all this spin of thought is generated in a single emotional meaning, felt sense, felt meaning. And that, when you get to that, then that's the, that's the thing you practice with. Because now you've, you've really got to the, directly to the point. You can't directly... You certainly can't change the past at all. Uh, well, not by going to the past. Uh, you can't change other people directly, but you can directly change the perceptions that's there, which is holding that feeling of hurt or lessened or let down or abandoned. And then you come down to the, the very feeling itself. So the perception is like the core memory, the core overall impression. And then the feeling is disagreeable feeling, clearly. So you feel that sense of that stabbing or crushing, whatever it does, is the feeling. And then with that feeling is like this. 
Yeah, and really like a you know one can tighten up and harden around that one can shrink and run away from it or you open up to it feelings like this that opening quality can be called compassion or metta and there's a sense of feeling the feeling and feeling the, the you know the heart can move not in line with the feeling so instead of the shrinking away from feeling or defending against feeling the heart moves in a different way almost embracing it not trying to get rid of it not trying to dispel it and that causes that quality of feeling is then uh, quite often quite quickly relatively quickly it's not 14 years anyway it's relative, relatively quickly it, it, it drains you've come to terms with emotional pain you've met it and you've you've held it and then, then, you, then you've taken the arrow out and then you can start you know widening that so kindness towards oneself or who one is in that scenario if you're the abused person you recollect the sense of the the cowering or the frightened or the lost and there's a sense of in that that perception the, the kindness compassion towards that being or that state even though you may be 50 years old you know still that little one is still there so kindness and compassion towards that like you're holding it letting it what it does wail or feel annoyed or feel lost or cry there it is and with with that as you clear your own peace there's a possibility to be a bit more magnanimous recognising that whoever the other person was what their behaviour was that was theirs and they they're you know they've been conditioned and uh they, they they also will experience the results of that. You know, and when I, sometimes when I've heard some difficult stories, you know, you get men whose fathers bashed them around, and it's because their father bashed them around, and you know, so the father was drunk, and the grandfather was brutal, and the grandfather brutalized the father. And so the father grew up kind of tough and dismissive and he was, you know, you've got to be a man, bam, knocked his son around. So he just goes on. <laughs> and you realise, gee, you know, you just be careful about really forming judgments. You know, you just know there's a lot of suffering, a lot of abuse around. And those people who do abuse are often messed up themselves. Yeah. I'm not exonerating, but as a sense of, wow, there's a lot of pain in this human condition. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make any more of it by holding on to this quality. And it becomes possible to actually release that, that quality, but only through meeting it directly and not resisting it, not judging it, and instead holding it with uh, a quality of compassion.
The last uh, question for tonight. Could you explain further on the mind and body being interconnected? Example, walking intention. The mind with the walking intention sends energy to the body which receives it and translates to walking. During walking, mind also generating other thoughts not relating to walking. Also, there are other physical actions by other senses, example, seeing, hearing, breathing, etc., even sneezing, coughing. How is the mind and body connected in this process be explained in Buddha's Dhamma, Buddha's Dhamma teachings? Well, So, the interconnection is two ways. So the mind affects the body, the body affects the mind. The mind affects the body through intention. It runs into that. So, yeah, and even perception. So when you, 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 you see something or you hear a loud crash, there's an immediate interpretation of that. You don't even think it, alarm and the body jumps. So that wasn't an intention. <laughs> that was just a, re- a perception, a reflex perception, an immediate. That's how quick perceptions are. No. Uh, particularly perceptions associated with threat, life, you know, things like that. You flash that, the mind gets that, even before you think it. So the mind is not the thinking system. It's also a perceptual. It comes through the eyes. The eyes see something as immediate um, chitta resonance with that. And so the interpretation is a very clumsy word for that. It's not. It's an immediate perceptual hit, and then the body jumps or runs or tightens up. Similarly, certain thoughts, you drop them in and there's a reflex, you know. And that's not, in, not intention, it's perception. So that citta is, 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 is activated through perception uh, and feeling and it op- operates in terms of intention. So you may get that sense of a shock, alarm, and then you, something in you, how do I get out of here? Then the intention happens. So, there's, in other words, there's involuntary and voluntary. Involuntary ones are things that just happen. Voluntary ones are ones that determined. So, for example, sneezing, you don't decide, okay, let's get ready for some sneezing. It just boom, it happens. And so, you know, the mind is affected by the body. Body is affected by the mind. The mind affects the body through intention and um, perception. And the body affects the mind just through body impingement. So so the medium, really, the unified medium is, we could say, energy. So when um, we sneeze, for example, the body energy field vibrates rapidly. So it affects the mind to a degree. Uh, There's a sort of, you know, 
stirred up. It's not, um, yeah. So the the, the mind is is affected to a degree by involuntary experiences in the body. Heat and cold. We didn't decide to be hot or cold. The mind can feel, you know, tense because the body energy, if it's cold, something you're shivering, the mind can tense up. It's not an intention, it's a re- it's a reaction. The body affects the mind. If you feel very hot, you feel dull, groggy, that, that affects the mind. The body energy affects the mental energy. So that wasn't a dis- that wasn't an intention. That was just the body affecting the mental state. Yeah. All right, so is that clearer? Mm. So walking up and down just even the act of walking up and down, then that can have a grounding effect on the mind just through the repetitive quality of body sensations and movements. Same thing, flowing along, can have a calming effect on the mind. So the one's intention has been to walk, that's the mental intention. The mind also receives the impression of something steady, simple, uh, graceful, comfortable, it feels soothed body affects the mind. I think that's probably just you know, bear any of that in mind and uh, you may find something relevant for yourself in that. <clears throat>